Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of the albumreview.net podcast. I'm Greg Potters. Thank you for listening and thank you for your interactions and feedback. Your feedback is much appreciated and it helps me to always improve. On this episode, I am welcoming Canadian musician Danny Horovitz. By day, Danny is a risk management professional for a large Canadian bank. And by night, Danny is a passionate singer-songwriter. Moving on, the first single off of Danny's debut album, Free Times, is going to be available October 15th on all streaming platforms. You can also pick up a copy of Danny's album for purchase at bandcamp.com and by going to albumreview.net and click on the store tab. So it may sound like I'm jumping ahead a little bit here, but I think after you hear this interview, you'll be enticed to pick Danny's album up. The full streaming version of his album is set to be released in early 2022, but you guys are going to get a taste of several songs from his album in today's interview. I'll have a link to the streaming version of Free Times on albumreview.net when it's ready as well. But you should pick up a copy for purchase today and support your favorite musicians. So Danny reached out to me a few months ago. I was taken by his humble personality and his talent as a singer-songwriter. I actually had the opportunity to sample Danny's album, Free Times, before recording this interview, and must say he definitely has some talent you need to check out. If you like music containing melodic vocals over strumming acoustic guitar, mixed in with some drums, bass, and electric guitar, then you guys need to check out Danny's album. And in this episode, Danny and I are going to talk about his new album, what it was like to write and record it, but we're also going to talk about his life growing up outside Toronto, balancing a busy day job with life in the studio, and his views on the music industry and what it's going to look like in the future. This will also be a first in the albumreview.net podcast world. Danny is going to perform live for us. This is once again a special treat. Okay, before I get started, I'm reminding you that to listen to any of my podcast albums, just go to albumreview.net and click on the podcast tab. They can also be heard wherever podcasts are available. And in addition to this, you can read well over 30 written reviews at albumreview.net and pick up some merchandise with your favorite bands, such as t-shirts, albums, sound systems, And you guys got to check out the bookstore. I'm telling you, have you ever wanted to learn more about your favorite musician or band that you just can't find on the internet? Go to albumreview.net and click on the store tab where you can grab a copy of different biographies and autobiographies from artists such as Faith No More. I've also got the story of Spotify up there. Other stories include the autobiography or the biography of Eric Clapton, Motley Crue, Pink Floyd, Eddie Van Halen, Tom Petty, Metallica, and check out the books from the previous two authors that I interviewed, Brian O'Connor and Ivan Bodley. Their books will have you guys wanting so much more. I promise you that. All right, you ready? Okay, good. Sit back, relax, grab a drink, and listen to my interview with Canadian singer-songwriter Danny Horovitz. All right, so joining me today for this episode is musician Danny Horovitz. Danny hails from... 
Toronto, Ontario, and I'm grateful to have him on the albumreview.net podcast. Danny's here to talk about many things, including his upcoming album, which is set to be released soon, and that's titled Free Times. Danny, thanks so much for being on the albumreview.net podcast with us today. Thank you so much for having me, Greg. It's a pleasure to be here. Absolutely, man. So during our, our first meeting we had a, a couple of weeks ago, Danny and I talked for a while about music. We talked about our tastes. We talked about playing and recording and also an interesting subject, balancing all of that with a day job. And I think Danny and I have a bunch of things in common, especially when it comes to music and the paths that we took in music. Danny, I have to hand it to you, man. You've, you've, you've stuck with the music and now pretty soon you're going to be releasing a new album titled Free Times. Um, So, so tell me a little bit about this album. You, you worked with a producer on this album, correct? Yeah, that's right. So it's actually my, my debut album of original music. I've been, I've been writing songs for many, many years. And uh, I was working with Calvin Hartwick at the Dreamhouse Studios here in Toronto. Calvin is a Juno award-winning sound engineer. And I'm, I think a Juno nominated mixer for my American friends. The Juno is like the Canadian Grammy. So he's, he, he knows what he's doing. And he has a bunch of uh, friends who themselves are excellent studio musicians who came in and worked with me on the album. So I'm really excited. I wish I had a release date for you. I can only say that it's soon. We just, just finished ma- mixing everything. I reviewed them with Calvin. He's going to give it one last listen and then send it off to be mastered mastering takes like a week or two then i'm going to get it back then i'll set it up for pre-release and you'll be able to see it on spotify i uh, i got a, 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 mu- a cartoon animated music video made for the first single i got that done cool. on, on fiverr so we're, we're really set up and uh, i'm really excited for uh, for what's coming and i hope everyone out there if by the time this comes out the album is ready awesome if not just everyone follow me on instagram and facebook yeah, we're going to talk about that a little bit more uh, a little later as well. But absolutely, yeah. you guys will will hook everybody up with info on how to follow Danny, how to find out when his album is going to be released. Again, free times. And I'll also be updating that as well. All right, before diving into your album, which I want to do and we will do, tell me a little bit about yourself, man. Where did you grow up? You, you, you live in Toronto now. Did you grow up in Toronto? I was born in Montreal and I grew up in a town outside of Toronto called Newmarket, but I've been living downtown Toronto after university, uh, after, after you know professional school as well. I've been living here since 2010. So I'm a Torontonian right downtown and I've been writing music for you know 20 some odd years. I learned to play the guitar at 14 on my, on my dad's guitar. And then I got my own guitar and I, I, just, I just love music. I love storytelling, uh, singing. And uh, at some point I thought, well, it'd be easier just to remember my own songs than other people's songs. <laughs> right. so I started writing and um, more, more recently, um, I have been, so th- for many years, I've been performing in Toronto at open mic nights here or there kind of without anybody knowing. And, uh, more recently, just before COVID, I, I, I played a few times, uh, including one like full concert for family and friends during COVID. I kind of thought, why don't I get myself a professional setup at home to create demos? I, I made those demos, set it, sent it to a friend of a friend of mine who I, who I knew was kind of in music just to get his thoughts. He really liked it. And he said, you know, I really think you should do something with this. Let me pass it off to uh, my friend, Calvin. And uh, Calvin heard it said, yeah, I'll produce your stuff. Uh, And we set dates. And so it's been my COVID project and a kind of silver lining. And so yeah, that fully answers your question about who I am and what yeah. I do, but it's well, no, I got, I've got other things I I'm, I'm curious yeah. about, but yeah. How, how long approximately did the album take you to record? So we started recording in the wintertime, uh, very, very end of January, beginning of February. We did mm-hmm. a few days of the rhythm section, 
then a short while later, we added in all of the, the instruments. I, on my own time, did what I think is professionally called additional production, meaning I took software at home and I put in some software instruments, some, some synth sounds, Sure. exported those, sent them to my producer. Then when that was all laid in, we, over the course of a month, did uh, evenings of vocals. And we laid it out, even though there's 10 tracks, so that I wouldn't blow my voice because I'd have to do lead <laughs> vocals, doubles, harmonies take a few days rest and do that. So the whole album was probably from the end of January until the middle of the end of April to, to record it. We had some delays on the mixing side of it. Um, and then the mixing had, you know, just sort of got done over the summer and now it's completed and now it's off to be mastered. So getting back to your family, any um, uh, brothers or sisters? I have three brothers. They're awesome. Shout out to Robert, David, and Jonathan. They all uh, live in various parts of Canada and the U S uh, and uh and I love them and they're a lot of fun to hang out with. And my brother, David, is actually a very good guitarist. He doesn't, he doesn't write music, but he's just, he, he just uh, plays guitar very well. My brother, Robert, does write some songs. Uh, okay. And Jonathan, I think, played the bass when he was younger. So this but makes I, mean, sense. I think I'm the one that really, that really kind of gravitated towards songwriting. Yeah, we all listen to old music. We all listen to my dad play. But I think I was the one that just really jumped on it in a, in, in a major way. Um, yeah, so that totally uh, that that leads into my next question, and and I think you sort of have already answered it somewhat indirectly. But so actually, first, uh, any any of your brothers older than you, or are they all younger? No, two two older, one younger. We're all pretty close in age. So you're you're five, kind five of middle, now. even though you're yeah. you're there's four of you. So right. did did any of your brothers, you know, influence your musical taste at all, Danny? I would, say that, I would say that uh, my dad probably influenced all of our musical tastes growing up because it was all oldies mm. all the time. And my grandfather, who was a watchmaker by trade, when we were kids, owned a, a record store in Montreal. So when he would come to visit us or we'd go to visit them, there'd always be, you know, we'd visit the store and there'd be music. My father would always come home with these with these records and we would listen to them. And in my house, we just had a huge collection of, of, of records that we would put on and then CDs that we would put on. And even you know after he closed the record shop and retired, um, still listening to to those old old records, things like the Beatles or or Elvis. I actually remember when I was a kid, hearing Billy Joel's "For the Longest Time" on yeah. an oldie station. And for years, I was like, I thought he was an older act. What was going on? Oh my god! Later, years later, I found out that part of the promotion strategy for that song because it was doo-wop and that whole album was inspired um, by the music that he loved growing up. They submitted that as a single to oldie stations to make it seem like it was an oldies uh, album. So I had a very similar experience with that song. And I actually remember the first time where I was listening to it and thinking the exact same thing. And it was on the local Boston oldies station. So that's really interesting. And that, that kind of answers my, I remember my question that I had a long time ago about that. Well, was, so. Did my brother's influence me? And the short answer is my father, you know, he played record. He had a guitar, like I said, so he played guitar, either songs of his own mm. or some old Beatles or Eagle songs. And uh, just from there, I started to, uh, was there a band that kind of did it for you where it was sort of like one day you thought, okay, this is what I want to do. I, I mean, the Beatles, me and, uh, you know, trillions of other people throughout <laughs> the Beatles. Right. Right. That's, that's sure. a, you, you, you hear the Beatles and you're just like, I want more of this. And every time you hear a song, yeah. you know, you, you, you want it to have that beautiful melodies, beautiful harmonies, beautiful production. They, yeah. you know, they, they, it just, even to now to this day, they, they pop. And then beyond that, I think other bands like the Eagles, uh, were a big influence on me and then acts, uh, singer songwriters, like I said, like Billy Joel or Paul Simon or, uh, you know, Cat Stevens, Leonard Cohen was huge for me as I got into university and I got a yeah. little older, Bob, Bob Dylan. So a lot of those singer songwriters with folk sensibilities, yeah. um, 
and then like i said the beatles ranking kind of high above everything you mentioned the eagles so i have yeah. to ask and some of my friends are going to be laughing right now when they hear this have you seen the hbo like five hour eagles documentary that came out about nine or ten years ago yeah the, the history of the eagles part yeah. one and two i yeah. saw it i thought it was awesome a lot it's of amazing. stories i didn't know uh uh, they're great. Only later in life, in my in like my thirties, did I really come to appreciate that that some people treat treat them like with a bit of disdain, and I couldn't understand it. They make great music, and maybe it's because they got so popular and they were just everywhere. But uh, I would agree with you. I would agree with you one hundred percent. And I was in that camp. I kind of thought they were cheesy when they went on their reunion tour in '94. I, I didn't really pay any attention to them. I have to give that documentary the its props because after I saw that, I was blown away and ended up diving deep into their catalog. So anyway, it's a little yeah. sidetrack, but I had to. And, um, and one to quick side note on that, just to feel fully vindicated, is when Bob Dylan won his Nobel Prize in Literature, mm-hmm. he he cited the Eagles in some capacity in that speech, and I think a lot of people were surprised. Getting back <laughs> to your your family, what what was your family life growing up? I, I know you I know you kind of already alluded to it a little bit, but you know what what was it like? I was pretty good. Uh, I have nothing to compare it to because I only have my own life and my own experience. But uh, my parents owned a small jewelry business. My father made costume jewelry in the basement of our house. Him and my mom sold at craft shows, and they would take me and my brothers along. We get up early in the mornings on on a Saturday. And we'd drive to small town Ontario, set up a tent, or maybe it was in a big arena, and we'd set up a table and we'd sell sell jewelry. They sold at the CNE for years. Sometimes they'd have an account with uh, stores, and then they would uh, have us as children kind of card the earrings. So from an early age, I kind of understood value of hard work, value of business, but also maybe how to interact with people. Having brothers forces you to be a bit more uh, social as well because it's, sure. you know, we're very close in age so there's a lot of friendships that develop early on and yeah I, i'd like to think i i carry that kind of spirit through to adulthood and um i don't know how much influence that has on my music but i can just say that um you know if if i'm not the guy at a party who picks up a guitar and plays music and i'm usually not i'm always super supportive of the people who are and that's yeah. you know being interested in music being interested in other people is something that i think came out of my my family a lot yeah, cool. Uh, I've asked this question of several of my fellow music aficionados. Was music ever an outlet for you growing up, Danny? Like, did, did you first start listening to music to kind of escape something? Music's still an outlet for me. Uh, did I use music to escape? Uh, I don't know. Not, not in any grand sense. Yeah. But there's something incredibly, for lack of a better word, meditative of playing chords and singing and if you're in a room by yourself to the wall, your eyes are closed, you're just in it, just being, just right. being in it, just, just feeling that for a, for a few moments of a time. Yeah. I think that's all the escape you really need. And that's enough. When I started writing, it wasn't used as an escape. It was more to, uh, it was more to tell stories, write stories, performative, even if I was only ever going to be the singular audience for that for that performance but in sure a, in, a, in a broad in a broader level of course even now when i sit around what do I, i'm i'm doing something I'm like i just want to take a few minutes to myself pick up the guitar 30 minutes an hour before i know it i feel better you know yeah yeah it's definitely therapeutic uh in case you're wondering why i'm asking this question despite my safe and comfortable home and upbringing uh, i grew up with a lot of angst especially teenage angst and i came to the realization that music was a a blanket for me meaning it was kind of my my safe place and anytime i was angry or sad music would literally make me feel 
well, naturally high. It, it really, really would. You know, within five minutes, I was calm. I was, I was better. Not sure if you've ever heard the song, the, the Beach Boys song, In My Room. Oh, of course. Yeah, it's a classic right. song. Yeah, and it's one of those... It's one of those songs you definitely hear as a kid. And when you're older, you appreciate as being kind of a, a um, not, not necessarily existential, but, but a, a love song to one's alone time, you know? Yeah. And, and what's cool is when you're a kid, just on that point about using it as an outlet for mental health, these are adults writing and often the stories are, are, uh, are, are sad or, or some kind of meaningful. And yeah. they, they give you a sense of uh, relation. You can connect not just to the people who wrote the song and not just to yourself, but to anybody else who also loves that song. And you can connect it on so many levels. I love the melody. I love the harmonies. I love the words. I love the stories. Yeah. Here's what I get out of it, what it meant to me, where it was at this time in my life. It's a natural place to connect with people. And you're so right in the moment. It's just, it's just a great place to just uh, release the valves. Well put, man. Yeah, that song, which was for those of you out there that might not know, written by Brian Wilson from the Beach Boys, I think describes exactly how I felt when I was alone, you know, when I was alone in my room, you know, to quote him, in this world, I lock out all my worries and my fears in my room. So, okay, back to your album. Your album covers a lot of items related to the topic of what I took out. It was kind of heartbreak. Are you writing about one particular person here in some of these songs or is it multiple or just general, not specific to one person? Yeah, I'm writing about nobody. I'm just writing <laughs> songs. Um, some of these songs I wrote during COVID, some of these songs I wrote many years ago. What's cool for me, side note, is that uh, when we picked the songs for my album, about half of them were songs I wrote during COVID. And so it made me feel like I'm getting better as a songwriter, but it's not to anyone in particular at, at all. I'm just trying to tell stories and to the thing that you said about being an escape, writing sad songs do provide a bit of an escape. They allow you to just sure. tap into a part of you. It's also the most relatable. It's also the most specific. So if you're trying to tell stories, they tell for the best stories. I write happy songs and some of them I'm really proud of. Even some of the cliche ones I'm really proud of. But the but a lot of times they just end up being exercises in songwriting. If I can really nail yeah. a sad song, then I, then I feel, I don't know, I feel good at the expense of the people in the story, but it's okay. They're fictional. And so they don't have real feelings. Yeah. Okay. That's why I asked. Cause I didn't know if it was <laughs> like, you know, you, you took out the word Sarah or Lizzie or whatever yeah. out of, you know, no, out of every no, no. single one. So. No. <laughs> um, it, it, in fact, uh, so one of my, probably the, the most heartbreaking song in the album is called the scar. And it's a weirdly, yeah. I think relatable song about, one person who looks at another person says, I, I thought from, from afar, I, I really was infatuated you and I loved you. But right. then when I got to know you, I realized I, I hate you. I can't stand you. And this is something that I think a lot of people can relate to. And a lot of people can relate to from both sides. Absolutely. But that started one day, I've got this um, notes app on my phone and I'm writing notes and I always write little poems or little sayings. And I came out of uh, you know, the shower and I'm looking at my face and I have a scar on my forehead, which you can't really see. And I just, the words came to me like, oh, I loved you all my naked life. I loved you for your scar. And I was like, oh, that's good. I got to use that. I got to write that down. Yeah, I got to write that down. So I wrote it down. I don't, I didn't know what it, what it meant. You know, I love you all my naked life. What does that mean? Does that mean when you're being true to yourself? I was, you know, coming out of a shirt. Does it mean when you're being intimate with yourself and you're thinking, what does that mean? So I slowly developed it in, into a story <laughs> from the perspective of, of someone um, kind of self-loathing, which is its own kind of heartbreak. So it's not about anybody, but fun song to write, long song to write, actually, one of the longer songs, because I just kept coming back to it, you know, so. I love 
loved you all my naked life I loved you from afar I loved you for your sorrow I loved you for your scar I loved it when we passed Does that yeah. uh, help answer the question? It does. Yeah, definitely. You know, your lyrics on this album, I think are really well written. They're very honest. And I, I commend you for that. You don't, you don't you. hold back. You know, you can yeah. tell that you're, you're pouring your heart out. And may I add that just because I'm not telling any true stories in the sense that they happen to me or about people, it doesn't mean they're not honest. I, I like to think that I start from a place of honesty in the sense sure. of trying to really think about what picture I'm trying to paint, what emotion I'm trying to describe and do my absolute best, you know, for my own personal experiences or anything else. I just mean, I'm not writing about anybody. And the few times that I have written songs about people, they always end up badly, or I can't ever really play right. them properly, or I get sick of them. And right. you know, no, I don't really want that, that to happen. That's a good point. Do you ever remember in like the early nineties when Pearl Jam blew up and got really big? I remember Eddie Vedder would always get interviewed and people would be like, what does this song mean? You know, what is it, what is it about? And he would, I feel like he would always answer it's about whatever you want it to be about. And that would always tick people off so much. But the point was, it was like, it, use it for your own purpose, use it for your own meaning. So even though you weren't writing about a, a, a specific woman or a specific person, family member, sibling, whatever, it's really out there for people to interpret it themselves when they, when they listen to it now. Okay. So getting more into your album, I'm going to skip around a little bit. Did, did you play all the instruments uh, on the album or just the, just some of the guitars and vocals or how did that I, work? I actually, I actually want to confess that I didn't play any of the main instruments on the album. I can play fine enough for a live performance. And I wrote the songs on my acoustic guitar, and my piano, nice. but I wanted the sound to be excellent on the album. Yeah. So we hired a professional drummer uh, named John Foster. We hired a professional everything musician named Sean Royal. And I want to give a huge shout out to Sean. He played the bass. He played all the guitars. He played the keys. So that's the, the piano, the Wurlitzer, yeah. the, the accordion. Uh, he was phenomenal. And what I, what I did instrumentally is I played the non-drums percussion. So the right shake of the tambourine, the cowbell. I did the vocals, uh, the harmonies. And like I said, the additional production and the software instruments. So where you might hear a horn or a string or a flute, that's actually keyboard instruments that I, that I put using, using Logic Pro. And it's not that I, 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 I wouldn't have felt comfortable doing rhythm guitar. I probably wouldn't have felt comfortable doing lead guitar. But I wanted to make sure even that was just perfect. We were operating at a pretty quick speed on a budget. The beautiful part about having sure. collaborators is you can pay musicians a fair wage to do what they know how to do really well. Right. And then if I want to get on stage, I can do the, the rhythm guitar piece and have, again, pay musicians fairly to, to play you know, the, the really complicated pieces excellently. What I could do is sit there as kind of maybe a co-producer and say, look, I kind of feel like the counter melody could be like this. Or if right. Sean comes to me with a counter melody, I, say, I like that. Can we make it sound a bit more like this and give, give like my whistling or humming what the notes are. And then he translates it in his brain into actual things. Yeah. Well, shout out to Sean. And then what was your drummer's name again? John, John and Sean, John and Sean. Um, shout and out and, and in and some Sean. cases on my demos, I would do a little bit of lead guitar stuff to get an idea of what it wanted to sound like. But. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. That's great. Um, so your first single, I think you mentioned is that you're going to release is going to be called moving on. Correct. That's right. Yeah. Correct. Yeah. yeah. So when I listen to that, um, I really love the count off at the beginning. It's got a really great rhythm. It's a, it's a little bit different from, I think some of your other songs, this is just my interpretation. When I blinked 
Found the morning, saw the dark Juxtaposed against the sun Then exposed It's just a night that's come and gone And I know I'm moving on Where I'd gone I'd lost direction Couldn't see my A bit of a faster groove But again, getting back to the lyrics, man The lyrics are really well written You're just very honest, uh, and you don't hold back. So, um, now, uh, keep me honest here, Danny, the album's opening track is seasons change seasons change. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. It's got, again, a really great sounding acoustic guitar. What type of acoustic did you play on this? Uh, I, so I wrote the songs on my hummingbird, uh, Gibson hummingbird. Uh, and I think on half the tracks, we use the Gibson hummingbird for rhythm and on half, we used another guitar that was in the studio, uh, and I don't want to commit to which one it was, but uh, we, we, we did test uh, different guitars out for different sounds. Sure. On, and then we used some electric guitars as well. Um, yeah, the count off and moving on to talk about the Beatles, a bit of an homage to I Saw Her Standing There. That'll be the first single. Seasons Change almost certainly will be the second single. One more day to tomorrow A minute since yesterday Three months soon will follow The seasons never stay Where were we last autumn? We were strangers in the spring Now that snow has that's just a song that I, that, that I love. I love all the songs on the album. You know, like I had dozens and dozens of songs and to pick 10 of them, you know, you really get to pick your favorites. So. Yeah, absolutely. Do you have a favorite guitar that it's kind of in your, your holster or your arsenal? The, the hummingbird. That's it. That's hummingbird my favorite. Is. That's what I yeah. play. I have, I have nice. a strat uh, for, for an electric sound, but, and I have an, an Epiphone, which is the first guitar. I also have a ukulele back there, but um, hummingbird. I, I, that's the thing. That's the one I pick up. And that's just the one I absolutely, uh, how long, uh, how long you've been playing the ukulele? I've been playing the ukulele for, um, a couple of months, nice. less than a year. My, my brother got it for me for my birthday. You'll have to teach, so. you'll have to teach me a little bit. That was the first instrument I ever learned how to play 1989. My, I asked my grandmother who I was staying with at the time, if I could get guitar lessons. And she said, no, we're not going to get guitar lessons, but I'll give you ukulele lessons. So she brought me <laughs> to this guy in San Diego for, I was there for two weeks and I think it was every other day I went to this guy and learned how to play the ukulele, but I came back from San Diego back to Boston and I knew how to play an instrument. Uh, cool. So I have a, I have a, um, an affection for the ukulele, even though I haven't picked one up in many, the, many years. <laughs> the ukulele was George Harrison's favorite instrument. And I think there's some story where he went to visit uh, Tom Petty and brought over like five ukuleles and Tom Petty was like, what, what do you, why does this, hear? George Harrison was like, well, yeah, notice you didn't have any ukuleles and you never know when you night, when you might need one. Right, right, right. That's a great so, story. I love that. Anything yeah. about Tom Petty. I, I, I have to admit, I still get bummed out whenever I think of George and Tom just not being with us anymore. But anyway, for another day, um, yeah. I feel like many of the songs on your album, Danny, are what I call deliberate. And what I mean by that is they're well-structured and have a solid direct 
direction. There isn't this vagueness, if that's even a word, if you know what I mean, like they just kind yeah. of go off into space. Yeah. Um, I feel like each song it hits you right between the eyes. And I like the guitar solo on Seasons Change. And I love how the bass mimics the guitar as well. Yeah. You know, that's just shout, that, shout out to Sean. Shout, shout out, out to Sean, Sean who came up with that. And then when he, when he gave us a couple of options and I liked that one and then he didn't know where to go with it. And I said, well, just like go up the octave and do it again. And I said, and then can you go up the octave and do it again? Right. And that was my big contribution to the guitar solo. Sean, uh, Sean Royal. Awesome. Awesome guitarist and great guy. Okay, I like taking that on the same journey for another minute or so. So yeah. that's a great ending to to the song. Um, Thanks, I, man. Really appreciate I, it. I picked up, yeah, absolutely. I, I picked up sort of a, uh, and and let me know what you think. I picked up sort of a, a kind of a '90s rock vibe when I listened to Temple in the Sky. He climbed up the mountain to a temple in the sky, and he saw the world down below. The streets were filled with the singing of people and the rivers and the forests were peaceful the temple was golden with a gold lion in front and a sign hanging clear around its neck it said don't bother coming you won't find what you're looking for but the man said i need to see uh, especially listening to the electric guitar <laughs> on this track. Yeah. Um, were, were you interested, uh, influenced? I'm getting, I'm going back to the angst topic here. Were you influenced yeah, yeah, at yeah. all by the, by the nineties angst rock music? Oh, or grunge? oh man, no, but let me, let me tell you about Temple in the Sky, how it got on the album. Cause that is quite the evolution from its origin. Okay. Okay. So Temple in the Sky is one of the oldest songs that I wrote. And at the oh. time in university, I was, and still kind of am, obsessed with Leonard Cohen, like I said. I think he's a beautiful storyteller, an incredible yeah. lyricist. He doesn't overthink the melodies. And it's clear that if you look at his older stuff when he was a young man, he, he eventually got more and more collaborators. So it's right. not like he also wasn't a, like an old, like he didn't do everything himself, which is kind of liberating for me, right? Yeah. So I wanted to write a Leonard Cohen song. And Temple in the Sky came to me as sort of like a song that was, a, at that time I was writing more in metaphors instead of just pl plain language, just actually describing what was happening. But I feel like I could tell a story and I'm like, how do you move from innocence to experience? And so I, I started writing the story and it didn't even rhyme, but I wanted to make it so it was like in a different key and I sang really deep. It was like, he climbed up the mountain to a temple in the sky yeah. and he saw the world down below. And I was singing it like Leonard Cohen. Anyway, my eldest brother, Robert, that was like his favorite song, like throughout the years. And I, over time, I was like, I don't know, I can't do it. I either got to go too low or too right. high. It's such a slow song. Does the story make sense? But Robert really, really liked this song. So as a tribute to him, I recorded it as a demo at home. I sent it to... Um, like I said, my, my friend, Kevin, who, who knew Calvin, he's like, oh, I like Temple in the Sky. Let's submit that one. Calvin heard it. He was like, yeah, but let's make it faster. So hmm. we made it and we sped it up quite a bit. And so now it's a much slower song, less pauses in between the verses. And when I'm sitting there, I'm like, what do we do about it? And then where, where I thought was, what if we just introduced a new layer of music every time there was a layer of of, of intensity. So at mm -hmm. first we add the harmonies, then we add the organ as it gets into the church. Then we add yeah. the slide guitar. Then we add the electric guitar and it kind of builds and builds into the sort of like, almost like, un there's also no, no um, it's not really a harmony. It's, it's a single lead and like a counter lead. throughout. So it's almost like a simple song, a simple melody, but there's also a, a level of uncomfortableness that, that builds up. And obviously the tone of the story is like, 
pretty angsty and and angry at a deity that that exists but doesn't care about the world so that's right. the evolution of it so long answer to your question about no. 90s angst but that's <laughs> so cool but it's so cool that that's what you heard in the song just goes to show uh eddie vetter was right it's it's not about it's not about what i wrote it's about what you as the true author of the music here 100 percent um i i got the same kind of 90s vibe from nothing ever ends another song on your record Double tracking of the vocals is strong during the chorus. I love that. Yep. Uh, and again, the acoustic guitar, nice, clear. Was that your hummingbird again? Uh, I think it was the hummingbird. It might've been yeah. the other guitar, but uh, that was a song I wrote. Um, I, I did write it on the guitar, but I wrote it for the piano. Like I wrote yeah. it on the guitar for the piano. It was a COVID written song. And I had gotten to a stage where I was writing a lot of uh, like, like mindful songs for lack of a better word. Mm -hmm. And uh Passing Through, which is the last song on the album and Nothing Ever Ends, kind of complemented each other. I wrote them around the same time. And it was a little bit, I guess that is a bit of 90s angst where the message is, you know, <laughs> you're not as important as you think you are. And the song right. has this very sweet melody juxtaposed with these sarcastic lyrics. And then Passing Through, maybe a little more true in my heart, is a bit of a lullaby. Same, same general message, you know, be kind to those who you, because one day you're going you're gonna to leave the world to them. Uh, and they just kind of like balance each other out. And if you put in, so if in the album, I have nothing ever ends, temple in the sky and passing through to end it as almost like a, a concept where it's like the destruction of the world uh, uh, coming, the destruction of the world happening. And then like, what are you going to, you know, your, your, your soul is eternal layered up on top of each other. Yeah. And to piggyback off your point, I love the lyrics. I, I think, uh, and I made my decision like last week. I, I think this is my favorite song on your record. I, I love the lyrics, okay. dust, dust in a fishbowl, rust and rhyme. Did I, did I get that rust, right? Rust and yeah, rhyme? Ru rust and rhyme. Rhyme is also, it's like a kind of crust. Got it. Okay. All right. Living another day. I love those lyrics. Powerful. Thank um, you. Dust in a fishbowl is my favorite. Like I just... <laughs> I walked around the house just saying dust in a fishbowl and I was like picturing it. And then I thought to myself, Danny was probably in a position one day where he like that came to his head and he was like, I, I've got to write this down. Yeah, I, I, uh, I did. Well, Hey, it's all about the interpretation of the listener, right? That's right. right. But, but, you, <laughs> but you got it. I mean, dust in a fishbowl, rust and rhyme, clearly things that have been like left behind to, to rot and crust over and ice yeah. over and frost. And they're, you know, I, you know, and then uh, living another day, like all of it, like it doesn't, none of that really 
matters. You're not as important as you think you are. So I love it. I love lyrics that really make you think. Um, although I do enjoy listening to fish sometimes and their lyrics don't always make you think, but that's okay. Their music does. So, <laughs> um, well, and like I said, I, I'm, I'm more of a, of a story guy than an emotive guy. I want right. to tell a story. I think about the endings to songs. I think about the, where to put the bridges in the song. I think about the construction of a song and right. I'm not, it's way more fun than I'm making it sound. I'm, I'm like very little in the academic side all entirely inspiration side, just like writing yeah. it through. But I like that stuff. I like telling the complete story. Absolutely. And I, as a fellow songwriter as well, I know what you're saying. So sidetrack here a little bit, but I, I, I wanted to ask you, what do you think about the kind of quote unquote music industry these days, Danny? It's a good question. On the one hand, uh, it allows for someone like me with no record label to go into a studio on my own time, on my own dime, create an album of music that I love with people who know what they're doing, put it out into the world and let people hear it. Now I live in Canada where very few people make a living as a musician and a lot of people have a day job anyway. I just am someone who spent some time building up a career and, and, have, and, has, and, and I'm in a fortunate position in that, in that sense. I don't know if I'm in America, a lot more people are professional musicians full-time, but it's basically democratized the, the, the music listening world where anybody can make their own music. Even if you don't have access to a studio, you can make a decent home recording and send it out into the world. Right. The right. industry though, seems to be relatively predatory. The contracts that are set up are designed to protect the, the businesses. And over the long term, as they hedge their bets on multiple artists, if any one of those artists becomes successful, then they get to reap potentially excessive benefits down the road. And maybe I don't know enough about how those contracts are structured. Maybe I don't know a lot about those relationships. All I know is that when you speak to um, musicians and you ask them for ideas and you send them demos, they're more than happy. They're super generous with their time, with their ideas, with their hearts. They don't think for a minute anyone is going to screw them over. And if you ever talk to anyone in business, and music business is no exception, uh, they're always talking in a way that makes you think they're trying to protect themselves. And that 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 should tell you that they come from two different worlds, the musicians and the music people. It's a great I, great point. Yeah. Again, yeah. another caveat. I could be fully. No, I, no, I, I, I just don't... get I just get the sense that that it's 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 best it's a best of time situation for musicians and a worst of time situation for making a living being a musician. Yeah, I just recently interviewed a session musician, and he's been in the music industry as, as sort of a session bass player for over twenty five years, and you know he was telling me that really it's no different today. You know, I don't, I don't want to necessarily lean this podcast on bashing any of you listening out there that are in the music industry. But I guess my point is I, I, I've made this point to a couple people and maybe it doesn't matter to some, but it matters to me when I go out there looking for new music, I'm just lost. I don't know where to go. And a, a lot of people say, I'm just so thankful that we don't have to, and I'm paraphrasing here, but we don't have to be slaves to, you know, what the radio stations are going to push on us or what the record industry or the music industry. But I got to say, Danny, I, yeah, I'm, I'm with you on that. Cause I mean, maybe you and I would have never connected, but I just, I get so lost. I go out there and I'm looking around. And so I, I guess I, 
I utilize my network just like yep. if, if I need to find a job or I need to find a plumber or I need to find a mechanic for my car. I'm doing the same thing with friends and family and, 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 you know, contacts. Hey, what are you listening to out there? What do you, what do you like? You know, you know, my tastes and, but I also want to get into new things. I just, I think it's interesting. I'm always interested in hearing other people's perspectives on, on the music industry. Um, so, so on, on new things, let me tell you that artists yeah. such as myself and yourself, we can submit music using various, uh, either pay for or free submission hubs to get music out to people. And right now I'm a, I'm a panelist on a, a po podcast, for lack of a better word, we call it a playcast called Yay or Nay. Uh, and we, every week later tonight, in fact, we're going to be listening to submissions and deciding whether or not we think it's good enough to make it onto my friend's playlist. And if it's on the playlist and you follow his playlist, it's called Playcast Radio, then you'll hear new music. And maybe you like it, maybe you don't like the music, but at least it's one venue. If you're on Spotify right. or Apple Music, they have algorithms where based on the music that you're hearing, they will recommend to you new music. So there is there is that. If, you're, if you are lost, there are always ways. I need to do better at listening to new music. That's why I'm thankful, like you said, for word of mouth for friends of mine, because a lot of times I'll just listen to the music that I know and the music that I love. And that's great, except that it doesn't necessarily help me grow. It just yeah. helps me listen to what I already know. That's a great point. When I did invest in Spotify, I was blown away um, by their algorithm. So that is a that that is something that's gotten me into newer music, whether it be new today, you know, like just recently released, or you know, just an artist that's been around for thirty or forty or fifty years that I've never really heard. So no, those are good points, and and thanks for clarifying that. So okay, do you ever wake up in the middle of the night, Danny, wondering how the hell am I going to get this music out there? How do I build a base? Uh, in, in today's day and age? And I think you might've already indirectly answered that question, but I'm just curious if you ever think about stuff like that. All, all the time. I, you know, I put so much of my heart and myself into this process and I want to keep doing it. But if I'm going to go that far, how do I get people to listen to it? Because not everybody's going to like it, but if I like it, somebody else is out there has got to like it. And I, I do want yeah. my family and friends to listen to it, but for them, they care about me no matter what. They just want to hear me it invalidate that I, that I did this thing I wanted to do. There's a whole bunch of people I've never met. They're the ones who are actually going to listen and actually like it and, and maybe get something out of it. Like, I'm so grateful, uh, Greg, to you for telling me that you listen to this music and what you like about it and how it's stuck with you. I, I want that more. And I think about all the time, how do I get through the noise to the people? And the best that I can think of is to submit to various playlists, which is the burden on me to do research. Right. And maybe uh, if I need to hire a, a, a publicist to get it to their playlist, I don't know if that uh, does a lot of good, but maybe. So I think about it a lot and going on talking with folks like yourself, maybe your followers, he, you know, he hears me uh, and like, oh, who's that guy? I'm interested in following him. And then they do, and then it grows. Yeah. Great point. Great point. Um, are you planning on playing any shows at all in support of this album? I don't have any plans right now to mm -hmm. play any shows. I need to get the infrastructure place sure. my release is going to be probably fairly slow in the sense that i'll have you know a single a month for a while i i probably have three singles that, that i'll put out but now that you mentioned uh temple in the sky and nothing ever ends maybe between the three official singles i'll put those out as like feature songs or semi-singles because mm -hmm. i'm so interested if, if if you connected with those songs maybe i i could uh, you know in the modern era when no one's really buying cds to, to to drip drip it out and then eventually put out the whole album on spotify but in the meantime have the full album available for purchase on Bandcamp right from the get-go. So anybody Bandcamp. who wants er, early access, yeah, probably on Bandcamp, early access. 
And then maybe in the springtime when the full album is available on Spotify and I've had enough uh, momentum built based on the singles and you know semi-singles that I put out, uh, at that point, I'll also have thought about with Sean and maybe a few other people how to get a concert going in, uh, in Toronto or, or, or wherever. But uh, again, the world that we live in being what it, what it is, let me see what the, what the music is doing and then make plans. As a worst case, what's nice is I can always go to open mic nights or just on my own with a guitar, do an acoustic set and tell people, look, if you like this music, uh, I encourage you to go and listen to me on the, uh, in the, with the studio sounds. Yeah. Maybe one day, one day soon, you'll, you'll do a tour, um, whether it be with a bunch of session musicians or form a band or just go yeah. out on your own. That would be really cool. That would be yeah. awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Pretend your boss at your day job isn't listening right now. Would you ever quit your day job to pursue this full time? That, that's a really good question. I wouldn't mind if my if my boss was listening to this and heard the answer anyway. Look, I have a I work at a bank and they've got a great pension. So for me to quit my job, it would have to be very compelling. I also, I like what sure. I I like what I do. You know, it's a it's a it's a good job. If the demand was there, I ended up becoming successful enough with the music that it was really eating into my time. I would take a hard look at that and do the cost benefit analysis. I mean, given the right circumstances, why why wouldn't you go and do what you 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 love to do all the the time? You know. Yeah. Yeah. Great answer. Um, okay, well, the part that I've been excited about, and I'm sure everyone's been waiting for, you're going to play live for us, Danny. Yes. What? Huh? No, <laughs> yes, we curious. had an agreement. You said you were going to do this. <laughs> yes, and I have, I have, my, I have my guitar here as well. <laughs> All right, everybody, we are going to be blessed with listening to Danny play live music. This is the first time on the albumreview.net podcast that we're actually not going to be playing a clip of something, that this is actually going to be live. So, so this is everybody, this is Danny Horowitz, Nothing Ever Ends. <laughs> Except for me and you And everyone we know And everything we do Nothing ever stays The sun becomes the moon The things we think we hate Always end too soon All of it nothing But wasted time All of you wasted
try to ignore it But that won't do you any good And so you think all about it And that just makes each day feel longer what you can perceive and once the trick is done there's nothing up your sleeve nothing ever ends except for you and me and all that ever was and all that will ever be all of it nothing but wasted time all of you wasting Beautiful, beautiful. That that was an awesome, awesome version. Absolutely. Thanks, Greg. Could you do uh, Could you do moving on as well? Absolutely. Awesome. Let's do it. Moving on. When I blinked, found the morning, saw the dark juxtaposed against the sun, then exposed. It's just a night that's come and gone, and I know. Where I'd gone, I'd lost direction Couldn't see my own reflection Standing still, but many miles I found myself after a while in the bright Morning light And all my haunting memories They do not mean a thing to me They faded and I know I lost my marbles but I kept my promise too I met the night, saw it through So I packed my bags and I am leaving Moving on A world without and bargain made As worthless as the paper it is written on And I was played as only fools and mother nature's many sons Say the same Who awake cannot remember Longing for the wild fever Dreams that in the moment broke them But then till at last awoken realized They're still alive And all my haunting memories They do not mean a thing to me Faded and I know I lost my marbles But I kept my promise too I met the night, saw it through So I packed my bags and I am leaving 
moving on. When your breath is just for breathing, when your heart has slowed its beating, when you paused your overthinking, when you stopped your search for meaning, then you find you've cleared your mind. And all my haunting memories, they do not mean a thing to me. They faded and I know I lost my marbles. But I kept my promise too I met the night, saw it through So I packed my bags and I am leaving I recommend you do the same Forget the night, see the plane Morning sky, wherein lies all your answers Through the darkness comes the dawn And surely it don't matter now Where you're going, only that you're moving Moving on Love it. Love it. Thank you. That was awesome. Moving on. Danny Horvitz. Danny with one N. Before we wrap up, I had a couple other questions that just as a fellow musician, but just in general, I I always like to ask people, what, what inspires you today, man? What inspires you? Oh man. I just, I love being alive, which is a silly answer, but, uh, I love getting up in the morning and having my coffee and uh, seeing my friends, hanging out with them, looking forward to things. I have so many things in my calendar and I just like looking forward to things. COVID was a bit tough, maybe good inspirationally for music, but sure. w- what, it, what inspires me is to just, I don't know, enjoy the time that I have as much as I possibly can. And I love playing music. So I'm going to do that. I love writing music. I'm going to do that. All the other things in my life would, have nothing to do with what we're talking about in my pot on this podcast all of that um family friends just just enjoying every minute i can i guess that's kind of what inspires me and things and things are good there's no there's no reason for me not to kind of do the things i love because i have that that you know available to me and not a lot of people not everyone in the world does yeah i'm, I'm really inspired by your optimism and enthusiasm and, and and for me i've taken a really positive turn over the last I would say six to eight months, but I'll never forget my brother who spoke at my wedding. He was my best man. He said, you know, I said to my brother, Greg, one day, like, how come you're not writing any new songs anymore? I remember saying this to him, but I forgot about it. And he reminded, you know, us in front of 150, 200 people. He said, my brother said to me, it's because I don't have any material anymore. I'm happy. (laughs) Yeah. It's like a comedian who can't tell jokes because, uh, because they become successful. Yeah. Uh, so I kind of had to relearn, you know, I had to start writing more inspirational, more optimistic songs. And it's just, I think it's a much better writing process, or at least it is for me. So I'm really glad and I'm, uh, that, 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 that works for you, uh, Greg, and that's what you should keep doing. Absolutely. I love writing sad songs. Most of my songs are, are sad just because I like telling those stories. They, Chord progressions just sound better, I think. In <laughs> yeah. Uh, mo- moving on is an interesting song because it is a happy song, but it's about that moment when you realize you're no longer going through heartbreak and you're looking back and you're like, boy, what was I? That was a funny thing I did being Absolutely. so sad about it, uh, which is an upbeat song. But a lot of my songs uh, on this album too. Um, and again, we had a cl- collection to choose from. We just happened to be sadder. So Danny, what advice do you have for musicians starting out today? 
if you're going to write music, write music that you want to play and write songs that you want to sing. I think that's probably the number one most important thing. However, music fits into your life, whether it's full-time, part-time, if you're going to become technical, then I guess play everything, try everything, learn as much as you can. If you're going to be creative, make it something that you love because there's a good chance no one is going to see it and you will want to play it for yourself. And if everyone loves it, then you could be stuck playing a song forever that you hate. (laughs) You don't want that. What advice do you have for musicians who are thinking of giving up? Why? Why would you (laughs) give it up? I mean, there's always the opportunity to play music. You know, do you... What's the romance behind being that guy in a bar where someone looks and says, hey, mister, weren't you that uh, piano player one time? And having a drink, like, sorry, kid, you got the wrong guy. I don't do that anymore. Good. <laughs> Why get, just, if you have to scale it back, scale it back, but don't ever stop. Always make it a part of your life. You got into it, presumably, because it brought you joy. In fact, in all likelihood, if you're a professional musician, you got into it because it brought you joy, despite other people saying, don't do it. So no matter what you do, keep it a part of your life. Music is, is great. It's the best. And I wish we had connected 20, 22 years ago. I should have, I could have used that advice. Fantastic. Thank you for having me on and uh, letting me tell some stories and connect with you. It's great. Been, it's been great getting to know you as well through this call and the last call. And um, I, I, I love talking to you. So I wish you nothing but success. And uh, I hope we, we stay connected too. We definitely will. We need to do an album review at some point soon. We should talk yeah. offline yeah. and figure out an album that we both could could dig and jam on and, and just talk about it. Um, well, Danny, thank you so much again. Thank you for joining me here today and talking about your journey as a musician. And again, for our listeners here, keep a watchful eye and you'll be able to pick up a copy of Danny's upcoming album free times. And you said that uh, fairly soon you're going to have it on Bandcamp. Yeah. As soon as it's um, mastered, I'm going to put it up on Bandcamp and I'll have the pre-release ready for the first single moving on, on uh, Spotify, Apple music, wherever you get your music. I've got uh, YouTube as well, but for anyone interested, please uh, for now, follow me on Instagram, Follow me on Facebook at Danny Horowitz Music. Once the first single is up, then I'll actually have a professional Spotify account to direct people to. So for now, just uh, go on a leap of faith, follow me, and we'll, you can say you were in at the ground level. <laughs> that's that's Danny Horvitz, Danny with a with one N. I say that because I have a son named Danny, and he's a two N guy. D A N Y. Born in Montreal and in Quebec. In Quebec, uh, there's a lot of Dannys with one N. Nice. I like it. I like that style. Yeah, um, Danny. Thanks again. I've really enjoyed this conversation. Please come back. Let like I said, I really mean it. Let's review an album together in a, on a future podcast. I, I'd love that. Well, uh, you, you can count on it. Awesome. Thank you again for listening to the albumreview.net podcast. Once again, thank you to Danny Horovitz for joining me and being the first to perform live on the albumreview.net podcast. As I said earlier, moving on, the first single off of Danny's debut album titled Free Times is going to be available October 15th on all streaming platforms. You can also pick up a copy of Danny's album for purchase at bandcamp.com and by going to albumreview.net and click on the store tab. The full streaming version of his album is set to be released in early 2022, and I will have the link to the streaming version of Free Times on albumreview.net when it's ready. But you guys should really pick up a copy for purchase today and support your favorite musicians, come on. 
Danny's album is incredibly passionate and gives you a taste of his strong singer-songwriter influences. Also, if you guys are interested in any of the other albums I've discussed in previous episodes, please go to albumreview.net and pick up a copy of your own. Listen to all of my podcast album reviews also at albumreview.net. Go there and click on the podcast tab. They can also be heard wherever podcasts are available. I actually just added Odyssey and iHeartRadio. All right, people. Lastly, I do want to hear from you. So please email me your feedback, album review requests, and any questions you may have to gpotters at albumreview.net. That's G-P-O-T-T-E-R-S at albumreview.net. Thank you very much. Keep on listening, keep on reading, and keep on learning. down by the highway take a trip 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 down